Welcome to the Rock of Bay County, Florida, where our vision is to be a multi-generational gathering, moving as one body to bring the glory of Yahweh to this beautiful county and to all the earth. We hope you are encouraged and blessed as you listen to this message. I, uh, this song, actually, I, I, I gave, I came here for just a moment last week um, and, uh, and shared it with Joanne. We just got to talking, and I, and I shared this song with her because over the past couple weeks, I've just been, um, you can just sit, I just want to move everything and go ahead and get this up here. <clears throat> um, over the past couple weeks, I've, I've, you know, Eva and I have really made it kind of our, uh, it's just kind of like almost like a, a thing in our heart that we want to do is we, we try to play, you know, worship music in our house. We've been trying to do that more. We, we try, we always have done this, but we try to do a little more of always talking in front of the boys about Yahweh and, and talking to them about Yahweh and making everything that we go through in life, we draw it back to him as the source. And, um, and the reason for that is because I don't want, even though we know we're not like this, we have intimate relationships with Yahweh outside of Sunday morning. I want them to see that, not just that we live in a secret place, but that they grow up knowing this is the lifestyle that my parents led. Like this is how, this is what it's about. It's not just about Sunday, not because we say that, but because literally that's the life that they live. <clears throat> and so I've been playing this, playing some worship music uh, <clears throat> off and on in, in the mornings, <clears throat> and um, and this song came back on, and it, it's the reason it's it's powerful to me. I think is, and the reason I was sh- actually showing Joanne uh, about the song was, it was a time that we Eva and I had just moved away from uh, Panama City for the first time. We were, you know, we kind of needed some change, wanted to do something different, and we moved. Um, and it was I've talked about the time a lot. It was a pretty tough time in my life. Just. Uh, a lot of unknowns. I remember right before I left, one of the reasons we left is nothing seemed to be working for me. I, I felt called to leave a really good job to, to start uh, my own business. I felt like that was something that Yahweh wanted me to do, and it was just not working out. And, um, and I remember <clears throat> Eva worked her butt off in, uh, in, uh, as a nurse, and she did not like her job at the time. She was she was really, it was a stressful thing, and uh, she had late nights, and she was working really hard, and, uh, and it, it really providing for our family, because anybody that started a business, especially if you're young, it's really difficult, you know, and it's really, uh, it's trying, and there's a lot of, a lot of unknowns in that, and, um, and I just was trying to figure all that out, and it was a great thing now that I look back on it, but in the time, it was difficult. It was difficult to be a uh, uh, a young man married and um, and not being able to provide for even you and your wife in, in a sense, though we were trying to build something. But you understand, just in the natural, uh, that was difficult. And I remember one day I uh, I got like a one-off job to go uh, paint a house, and that night I picked up groceries on the way home because I wanted I wanted to know that dir- the money that I that I earned directly went to the food that went on the table. And I and I sat down that night and I just. I was almost in tears eating uh, there with Eva because I just, it, it was such a longing in my heart to be able to provide, to be able to put on the table something. And, and, and so that was kind of the time we were leaving and we go over uh, to start this um, new life and do different things. And I remember having a conversation with Apostle Ball right before I left and he said, you know, son, uh, we bless you. I, I would, I'd encourage you to find a home, to find a place, to find someone to join yourself to. And, uh, and so we, we kind of did that. We tried. We, we, we went there, and I, 
I remember right whenever I got there, I started to look up like spirit-filled churches in the area that we were in, like helping, praying that Google would help me out. But really what happened was, what happened in that time was that I, when I searched that, this song popped up. And I don't know, I thought it might be maybe one of their worship teams was doing this song or something like that, and they had a video from their website. And so I just watched it, and I remember kind of how these guys seemed to process it this morning was how I processed it. Because I've known Yahweh as Father. I, I know he's, he's a good, good Father, and he is a, he's Father, and he you know, created everything. He's our Father. But uh, going to the whole Daddy thing kind of pushes me a little bit more because really he's, he's Jesus' Father. He's Yeshua's Father, you know? And, and so... And he's the father of creation, all that kind of stuff. But as far as like, daddy, I've got Joe Gerlez is, is daddy, you know. And so there is such a, it was, I actually thought when I heard the song that this was like a Father's Day special, to be completely honest with you. I thought that they were singing it to like the dads in the house. And when I saw this guy singing it, he was just about in tears singing it as, as, he, as he was singing to Yahweh, daddy. And it started to change my life, really. It started to change my perspective on some things. And um, I think Regina said it best when she was talking about just now explaining it. Um, in about like the 15-minute mark when she started to ex- finish explaining it. Um, <laughs> just kidding. Um, but, she, but she talked about like m- my boys and, and how they know me. You know, that they know me as, they know me as daddy. For some reason, I got like six months of daddy, if I'm being honest with you. They, they say dad. I don't know what that's about. I think, it's, I think it's Daniel Tiger. He calls his dad. Dad, yep, some of y'all that aren't parents don't know what that is. Anyways, but it's a show. And uh, anyways, but he, they, they call me dad. They're always dad. And I'm like, no, I, I mean, I grew up like thinking about my kids and like, I can't wait till they say daddy. And now it's like, I was actually driving the car the other day and they, uh, and they just said, um, they were, whenever they want something, it's daddy, daddy, daddy. And so they're, and they don't stop. Like, it's not like they figure it out. It's just daddy, 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 daddy. And I remember I just drove in the car and was silent because I just wanted to soak it up and hear daddy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, for real. But, but it's, a, it's a place I really believe Yahweh's inviting us into. This house, this family. Um, it's, it seems a little strange because like we've always loved the name Yahweh and we still love the name Yahweh and there's power in the name Yahweh, the name of God, that he's revealed it to us. But he also allowed Yeshua, his son, to call him Abba. He also allowed Yeshua to go a little bit deeper and our issue, I think, a lot of times is that we see ourselves outside of Yeshua. Yeah. But we're called to be the bride of Christ. And when we're the bride of Christ, we become one with Christ. There's a oneness. It's not, the scripture talks about that, that he created us to be together, to be as one, that there's no separation in that. When Eva and I became married, we became one. We're not aside from each other and, and that we make, you know, Eva makes her decisions and I try to work with them and she and I make my decisions, she tries to work with them. There comes a time where you become joined as one, walking as, as one body in creation. And so I believe as we're being called the bride of Christ, which is difficult for a lot of guys, to, you know, the bride of Christ, 
it's really talking about oneness with him. And if we're one with him, then when, when Yahweh God sees us, when he sees us, he sees a son, he sees a daughter. When we see the father, it's like Yeshua said, when you've seen me, you've seen the father. You should see daddy. That isn't, that's, a, that's a level that's accessible to you. <clears throat> and it seems kind of like a step back, but, it, but it's, it's really not. It's a, it's a deeper place of intimacy. It's a, it's, a, uh, it's a permission granted, if you will. And uh, hey, I, they've already done it, but kids, you're welcome to, to go five and under. My bad, I do that every single time. Before I get back into this, I'm, I'm gonna, let me just say, uh, Eva is watching live stream. So um, we, we, live stream is not back up except for private stuff, but we're going to have it back up probably next week. Um, so that's good because Sarah Beth's in town, but she watches live stream. Um, and <clears throat> we, have, we have quite a few of out, out of town uh, people that watch. And so I, I, there's something about being, it's great to listen, um, but it's great to be able to watch and hear and stuff. So. Um, that's awesome. Thank you, Pastor Jeff, for getting that going. But she's watching right now. She is doing awesome. And uh, we do have a baby little girl who is absolutely precious, amazing. Um, yeah. Her name is Amelia Helen, which is, uh, it, it's, she's named after um, Eva's grandmother in Poland. Actually, Eva's mom's back there. She does not want to be called out, but her mother uh, is is Amelia, and um, and sh- this this woman I, I've met her. I've got to spend time with her, and she's absolutely precious, a jo- joy, just joy. She's amazing to be around, and she's uh, she's so sweet, and she she's been through so much times of of war and loss and difficulty, and come out uh, on top. And she's a, and she's amazing. And Eva's always had it uh, close to her heart that she, if she had a daughter, she would name her Amelia, and. Um, and they call her Mila, Babcha Mila, which is grandmother in Polish. And, um, and so, we, so when Eva and I started to, to get together and we were getting married, we talked about kids. In fact, we actually always said we'd have, four, or we'd have three boys and a girl. I can say pretty safely that we're good, but, <laughs> but in my opinion, let's be real, you could count Leo as two. So... Um, he has... And just this morning, he's, uh, let's see, he's, he's colored the ground, uh, our floor's pink, he's, um, he's made his brother and his sister cry, and probably his mom behind, uh, behind the do- closed doors. He ate a highlighter, and so, uh, so yeah, he's, he's a wild one, so I'm going to count him as two, so we got three boys and a girl, <laughs> but uh, she's also named after my beautiful grandmother, Helen, and we know her and love her. And so, uh, so she has such, a, there's such a, uh, it's, it's just amazing to, to think about that when I, every time I say her name, I think of the, the things that were laid down so she gets to go ahead. You know, that she's a, she's a generation and she's so important to us because she's a promise fulfilled for us. We always thought we would have a girl named Amelia. We call her Mila. We always thought we'd, we'd have Mila. We talked about Mila. We talked about Mila before we ever even knew we were going to have kids. So even whenever we first found out we were pregnant with Frank, we thought that that was going to be Amelia. And then whenever we had Leo, we were pregnant with Leo, we thought we're going to have Amelia. <clears throat> and, um, 
And it was something that we, we eventually had to just say, if that never happens, it's, it's okay. I wanted that forever. Um, I love my boys, but, I, but, but Amelia was a promise fulfilled. It was something that he put in our hearts, and, uh, and we were so excited. I remember driving whenever we found out she was, we were driving to Atlanta, and uh, we had um, the nurse on speakerphone, and she was like, well, do y'all want to know your results? And uh, we're like, yeah, sure, we were already, you know, boys, whatever. And she said, girl, and we just screamed in excitement and so, so happy to have her. And she's precious, she's sweet, she's amazing. And she's also outside of the storm. She, I found out in the time I was in Destin, living in Destin, while we were trying to, I was just literally commuting back, waking up at 5 a.m. so I could get in just in time so I didn't hit all that traffic and then leave. There was no time you could leave and not get traffic. But but I was just driving back and forth every day with my dad and, and, and doing that stuff. And I remember uh, we, we took one day completely off of doing anything. And I went with Eva and the boys and we were driving around. And Eva told me that day. And she actually was scared to tell me because she was like, in the midst of all of this, I don't know, this is going to be good news. <clears throat> but it was, there's such peace and excitement. It's like life after the storm. A life that never knew this thing, that actually just gets to stand on the foundation of what we laid down and what we did to get a, to get a place back together for her to grow. That generation's uh, amazing. So it, there's such power in Miss Amelia Helen Gerlez. She was eight pounds, two ounces. I'm sure I'm going to get this. I think it's like eight pounds, two ounces, but Eva's always like, you forgot the point, whatever. So... <laughs> 20.2 inches long, and she's got a full head of black hair. <laughs> Go figure, huh? <laughs> yeah, it'll be blonde, I'm sure. Um, but she's beautiful and amazing, and I can't wait for all of you to meet her. Um, so anyways, I want to jump back into this. Uh, she says to say hi. So um, anyways, but I, but I, uh, I want to... Um, I want to jump back into this because I really, you always kind of hit me hard with this, this these past couple of weeks. I haven't really been able to, to move on to get into something just so deep for you or whatever else because I think that this is really how deep he wants to take us right now. He wants to pull us into a new revelation of himself. With, this family has known a name beyond beyond God and what everybody else says. We know his, him by his name, a beautiful revelation that was brought to this house by apostle. But, but I do believe that he's trying to take this people just, it's why we feel kind of uncomfortable with daddy. And I think it's, I think really that's a secret place name for you. It's a, it's a, it's a not necessarily every single time you have to talk to somebody say, well, daddy, this, daddy. But I really, I've, I've changed my, my, my language to, to talk to him as daddy. I know that Eva always, um, she was going through a difficult time when everything was transitioning and figuring out where she didn't know how her relationship worked with God anymore. Everybody's having all these like signs and wonders and deep mystery and all this. And Eva's like, I thought I had this great relationship and now I feel like I'm getting left behind. And, and she, she was just really tough. And she, she steps out uh, one day and lifts her hands and she just says, Yahweh, Father, I love you. I love you. And that was her own way of basically going into, Daddy, I love you. I, I just want to surrender myself to you. I want, there's, there's, a, there's a level of trust and surrender that comes with saying something like, Daddy, and seeing yourself as a child, as a grown man with children. It's hard for me to see, but it, you see the difference you see that so many people see him as Yahweh and God, and they, and they think, well, you know, he doesn't change, right? I agree, that's biblical. He's not a changing, but he does. 
he, he does have so many sides and facets to his being that no one could ever know the depth of him. And there's a time that he turns and wants to show you a side of himself that you've never been invited into. And it's a powerful thing that he wants to do. He, he, you know, my boys, because they have a good father, they, they go to bed at night and they do not worry for anything. Be anxious for nothing. But through prayer and supplication and thanksgiving, make your requests known unto him and the peace of Yahweh that passes all understanding will guard your hearts through Yeshua the Christ. It's, it's, a, it's a powerful knowing of, of like, he, my, my boys at night, they don't sit around wondering what they're, if they're going to be able to eat tomorrow. They don't go to bed at night wondering uh, who, who's going to pay the bills tomorrow or how, how that relationship's going to play out tomorrow. You know, that, that's, that's, not even in the, that's not even in their atmosphere. Like, it doesn't, it doesn't exist. And I think that what he's asking us, inviting us into when he says, reveals himself as a, as a real father, as daddy, not as just Yeshua's daddy, but your daddy, because you have Yeshua within you, you've become one, that's how it's supposed to be, that if, we're going, if he's going to see us as son and daughter, we have to see him as daddy. And I'm so drawn back to the story of the prodigal son, which the, the father actually calls just son. Religion calls him prodigal son. The, the, the prodigal son was just a son that had a different path in the father's eyes. He had two sons. He had the faithful son, and, he, and the faithful son was always there by his side and did things one way and was always, always working hard and, and good in, in, by, by, by means of being faithful all throughout his life. And then you had the prodigal son, as they call him, who went wayward and, and was looking for his path. And by all means, as far as, uh, as, far as the world goes, he was a prodigal. He, he made mistakes. He didn't do things exactly how you'd see them. But you know what the important thing is, is that when he got on that road, the father came with the ring and the robe and he saw him as son. And then when the faithful son was, what, what's going on? What's going on? You know what he calls the faithful son? Son. He teaches you something in both ways and, and there's nothing that we can do. There's nothing that we have done. There's nothing that we're, that we're walking in currently that, that, that exempts us from him seeing us as son and daughter. He wants, he wants us to get that revelation. I believe that this house, he wants us to get that revelation. It's not about this, man, did I, did I, did I uh, stay in prayer this much this week? Did I do this? Did I do that? If you take that approach, that's really whenever you start to see him as, as God because there's a duty here to do something. <clears throat> I'm so proud of Amelia. She's never done a thing. I'm so proud of Amelia, yet she's never done a thing. You know, in, 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 our, in, in our hearts, in our hearts, like, we have to understand how he sees us. And it's so weird because it, it stretches me. It stretches us a little bit to go down this road of, of childlike wonder. Ben says it so much, and when I hear anything that says wonder, I think of Ben. Because Ben is, ben is saturated in, in a childlike wonder when he's in a, in a worship setting, really in any setting, but he's just, he's just got a joy on him up here. And, and when I see him go down this road of prophetic and he starts to, to see it, and I'm sure that some people, especially anybody that would be new, might be uncomfortable and that's kind of like, okay, what, what's he doing that's different or whatever? 
is that you're looking at him and he's looking at him. You know what I mean? You're looking at Ben, but he's not looking at you. He's looking at the father. He's looking at daddy. He has a revelation of daddy. And he doesn't have a deep enough revelation of daddy. Neither do I. We're coming into that. There's such a depth to that. And uh, one, of the, one of the famous scriptures in this whole thing says this. It says, at, the, at that time, the disciples came to ask Jesus, who is considered to be the greatest in heaven's kingdom realm? realm. <clears throat> Jesus called, this is out of the Passion Translation, Matthew 8, uh, 1 through 4. Um, so it says, Jesus called a toddler to his side and said to them, learn this well. I love this. I love how it says this. Unless you dramatically change your way of thinking and become teachable and learn about heaven's kingdom realm with wide-eyed wonder of a child, you will never be able to enter in. Whoever continually humbles himself to become like this gentle child is the greatest one in heaven's kingdom realm. Unless you dramatically, he's talking to his disciples right? Like, think about that. He's talking about his followers, people who know him intimately. And he invites them into another dimension. You see, we read these scriptures, just like, whatever, yep, yeah, unless you enter the kingdom, like, you got to enter like a child. That means we got to be humble. We got to be, you know, child, like, whatever. He's saying, I see Catherine Grindstaff back there, metanoia. You remember when you brought that word to us? metanoia, repent, to change your way of thinking, right? To change your way of thinking. It's just not sorry, my bad, I'll try to do better next time. It's shift your mind. And in order to shift your mind, you have to see things a completely different way. Otherwise, it's just taught. There has to be a revelation given. Unless you dramatically change your way of thinking and become teachable, and learn about heaven's kingdom realm with wide-eyed wonder of a child. You will never be able to enter in. It's, you, know, you can read this as, as, a, as, a, as a challenge for people that aren't going to get in. You can use it as kind of like, a, a, a like, well, I have something to do. Or you can see it as an invitation. Yes. Narrow is the path that he wants you on. That he's made a way, he's made it narrow for you to be on. To see it. To see the small gate. Not pious living, but a relationship with the Father. Your path that he designed for you. At the end of that, you are son. You are daughter. Just think on it for a little bit. When we come in here, do we see Sunday morning? Do we see the church thing? For real, like for real, for real, for real, for real. Ask yourself each week, just come in here, change, change your mind in every day. Every, every day, change, shift your thinking of what this whole thing's about in the first place. Shift it. Because I don't have any interest at all coming to church with any of you. I love you all. I don't want to do church. I don't. I don't, I don't, you know, I understand the explanation. I'm not trying to, I'm just using them as an example, and they love me, I love them, so it's okay. Um, Joanne, who's done an amazing job helping, y'all don't know this, but she helps them get practices together, uh, get songs ready. She knows my heart inside and out and really helps me kind of 
put this thing out here in a worship way, like my, my heart coming out in worship. And so it's amazing. She texted me this morning and said, hey, I changed the song to Yahweh, I love you just until you talk about it maybe. And I was like, well, first off, I didn't know you were gonna do that song. But secondly, no, it needs to be daddy. Because I didn't get to hear it as Yahweh, I love you. And then I shifted it to daddy, I love you afterwards. I heard it as daddy, I loved you. And it immediately made me squirm for a second and figure it out, but there's an invitation. It changed my way of thinking to see him as a father. And you know what's crazy about this building is that it was a nursery. It was many things, but how I knew it was I had a mat sitting over there about where Samuel is. Three, four years old. Goldfish, you're right. This was a nursery building. When we tore everything out, it was still, it had nursery stuff in here. And, it, and, and I just, and, I, and y'all know the story of how we even got into this place. But man, I just think he's pulling us into such depths of the simplicity. He's inviting us into a childlike, say everything that we're doing here is, there's purpose to it. There's significance to it. It's not just a church thing. It's not just happenstance. You have to make up your mind change your mind and come in here with childlike wonder. What is it, Daddy, that you have today? I mean, let us come to him as children. Sit up in the lap of Yeshua. Let him wrap his arms around you. If anyone causes these children to stumble, woe be to them. The protector, the lover, the father, the daddy. You might not get it today. You will get it. It's amazing. You see, there's a, there's a, there's a, I wrote down in my notes, prodigal son versus Isaac. I've, I've said this many times. I've, I've just, it just keeps speaking to me in this song, but like Isaac had two sons as well, Jacob and Esau. So you have the, the prodigal son's father with the prodigal and you have uh, the, the faithful son. And then you have Isaac who has Jacob and Esau. Isaac was so, he, he, he loved Esau. He loved how Esau was because Esau was the hairy man that, that hunted and could get something for him as much more like daddy. And Jacob was a tender little guy. He, but he was, he was just, a, it just, little guy just follows after that. But Jacob was, Jacob was tender. He, he wasn't like Esau. He was completely different. But see, Isaac's, Isaac's it's Isaac's, issue as the generation before were responsible for that that comes after us his issue was not being able to see both of them as son he had the he was not like Yahweh in that sense Jacob can't help who he is how he was how he was designed in fact Yahweh loves the tender ones he loves the rough and tough ones too but he sees them both as son. Isaac saw, this one can get something for me. This one, I don't quite understand. He's more like mama, and I don't get it. And so all of a sudden, he makes Jacob live up to his name, which is manipulator. He designed that. He made that. He changed what was supposed to be pure and gentle and kind and tender. And I mean, imagine Yahweh made these two boys. How could they grow up together, what they could do together? Two sides, My boys are so different and so amazing in their own way. I love them both so much. I didn't think it was possible once I had one to now have another one and love him like I do. But I love them both so deeply, so, so deeply. 
And so Isaac sees Jacob and he sees Esau and he says, Esau can do something for me. So in order for me to bless him, let me get him to do something for me. Bring me my favorite meal. Go out and hunt for it. So Jacob wants to receive the blessing. He, he, first off, is already controlled by the mother's voice by saying, this is what your father said. Now let's make this happen. And so Jacob lives his life thinking that he has to do things a certain way because he actually does in the household because he has to please his father. The only way he's, his father has allowed him to please him is through the way of Esau. So he tries to hide and become Esau so that he can receive the blessing. You see the difference is that you've got one father who says, son, I know you've been eating with pigs. I know that you've spent all of that money that I know that you've squandered our name. I know that you, you, you know, we, we have proess and, and, and we're, and we're, we're we're a powerful uh, 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 family here that we, that we see ourselves this way and you've run off and made our name crud out there. But here comes the son down the road and where's the father running to him with his finest robe. Get my finest robe, get my ring. He puts it on the son and he says, welcome home, son. Now we don't need to talk about that. Welcome home, let's put on a feast. Let's do this thing. Let's celebrate because he celebrates the two. That's how it's supposed to be. That's what daddy does. And so what, that, what does that mean for us? It means that you were called to be you. It means that you need to see things how you see things. And if you're not down deep in this mystic realm and everything looks this way to you, that's okay. Ben talked about the difference. Like, I don't care how shallow you are. I don't care how deep you are. Yahweh desires mystery as biblical and he wants to show you things. But as our brother pointed out, he doesn't want them to remain mysteries. He desires us to see him as daddy because he sees you as son. And so I feel like we pull ourselves out. We, we think of all of the reasons why we're not close with daddy yet. We, we think of all the reasons why things just don't. I've said, Father, I've said things, but have you truly received the revelation of who you are? Of who you are? Y'all are quiet. I just got back. I need y'all to be alone. Come on. I'm just kidding. It's all good. Hopefully it just means you're thinking. This is awesome. It made me think. It made me sit there and wonder. I want to have the childlike wonder. Unless you dramatically change your way of thinking and become teachable and learn about heaven's kingdom realm, realm with wide-eyed wonder of a child. Child sees everything is amazing. He's not conditioned to think, well, I saw that one play before. Know how this going down today. I've seen it all before, man. Yeah, I believe in God. Sure. I believe in God. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, he created the heavens and the earth. But a son desires an intimate relationship. A son sees the love of the Father. The depth of love. Be anxious for nothing. My boys go to sleep at night. When I go to sleep at night, my prayer for me is that I'm anxious for nothing, that I, that I just, I make my requests known unto him, but really all I'm doing is seeking first the kingdom of God because all of the other things are added to it. I'm a son. If a son asks for, would he, would, would, or son asks for bread, would he give the father give him a stone? Huh, Mike? You changed my life when you pre- preached about that. So simple, yet so profound. You changed my life. 
It's these things, like I'm just telling you, we need to go back and stop skipping over some of the amazing truths in Scripture, some of the amazing truths that, that Yahweh has given us. It's intimate and it's beautiful. I said last week, or last week, two or three weeks ago, I don't know when the last time I said this was, but I made this statement that I just kind of came out when I was speaking, which was that what if we're the seed and not the harvest? Generational thinking. What if we're the seed and not the harvest? What if what we do today is for others to stand on our shoulders to go even further? What if we're preparing the way for someone else to receive? It takes it off of you and makes it about someone else. That scripture says, whoever continually humbles himself to become like a gentle child is the greatest one in heaven's kingdom realm. When I said the seed, I didn't, I just said that, just threw that out there. But Yahweh started to talk to me about a seed, the actual seed, a seed, like a natural seed. What happens with a natural seed? Well, it's got this thing, the seed coat on it. And the seed coat's amazing. Inside of the seed coat exists uh, the uh, endosperm, which is like uh, food for, that, for that, uh, that plant, and then the plant, which is the embryo. Everything that the plant really needs is, is, is stuck inside the seed, inside the seed coat. And the crazy thing about a seed coat is that it can read its environment. A seed can exist hundreds to thousands of years just as a seed. Just as a seed with everything it needs inside of it. But that seed coat is so advanced that when it goes into the ground, it realizes I'm in an environment and atmosphere that it's time to grow. It's time to shift and change. That seed once was attached to something else that someone else did before them to help them grow into something and bear fruit. <laughs> and so your fruit on a, on a vine, and it's great. We're good. Man, here's the purpose. This is exciting. This is amazing. And then I didn't desire you to just be fruit. I desire a seed. A seed. So you fall and you can just stay that seed. You can just stay who you are and be that for hundreds of thousands of years. You can be the seed. But unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and what? Dies. He remains alone. He remains separated from the fold of his purpose of who they were supposed to be. Our problem a lot of times is that we are a seed and we have everything that we need within us. We believe a lot of things, but we're not willing to die because we've always been the fruit. We've always been it. We've always been the thing. And so when we fall off, we fall off this, this vine of something that someone faithfully planted and grew into something great. I'm repeating myself over here on, the, on this iPad. I need to pause that thing. Um, but but we, in t- instead of growing into something, um, hang on, I, I'm, I'm like one track mine, I'm sorry. You got it? Have you ever seen those, those, uh, those games where you can put headphones in and you can, and 
it takes your voice and speaks it just a second later than you, than you say it. So you have to read or sing a song and it, some people can just do it like that. I am, I sound like I am so like just gone. Like I just do not, I can't even talk. It's horrible. So that's why I'm, it's crazy. Focus, focus. <laughs> but unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it, it abideth alone. But those who die, but those who are willing to go into the ground and become who all that they are meant to be. But see, this is the thing. What does that mean, death? It means letting go of everything that was before. We've talked about this a lot, but I think that this analogy, it's helped me see that if you have things that still make it about you, or if you're really, honestly, it's kind, of, it's, it's kind of almost an arrogant thing for us to hold on to anxiety. It's, a, it's kind of an arrogant thing for us to hold on to worry. If we are in the kingdom and if we do see him as daddy, it's kind of a knock against him. If my boys sit up at night and worry about what they're going to eat tomorrow and how they're going to live and they have all this anxiety and they're constantly worried and stressed, I see that as a knock against me. I'm not doing something right. And I can promise you that Yahweh, Daddy, is doing everything and has everything prepared for, for us. So the seed, guess what happens? The seed goes into the ground. The seed coat realizes this is the environment that I can flourish in. And I'm going to tell you right now, you need to find soil that are, that's good for you. And Yahweh has provided this soil for us to get into. Yes. Yes. Die together that we may live again. Right. Lay down our lives to pick up his. But we come into an environment that's conducive. And the seed coat, you know what it does first? It doesn't grow. Its roots shoot out the bottom it roots itself into the soil that it's been planted in. Rooted into the soil that it's been planted in because it knows that I need every bit of nutrients and minerals and everything that's going to sustain me in growth has to come first from rooting and planting myself and seeing this as more than just a church, but a family in an environment and atmosphere that Yahweh brought me in here to die, to lose what I used to have, to come into the greatness of who I'm to be. And so that generations one day can be fruit off of my vine that will drop and become another seed that has to die and go into something this kingdom is ever increasing and goes on forever and ever and ever and ever so he roots himself down into the into the soil and then there's signals that go up and says it's time to grow it's time to grow i want to read a, a story real quick um that is we're gonna we're going we're going straight up child like here we're gonna go back to uh we're going back to the uh, children's ministry days, um, you know, back in that realm of Noah's Ark, which we saw was so, so child, you know, childish and everything, you know. It wasn't. It was so powerful for this house. It's the reason we're in this place. <clears throat> but in the book of Daniel, two major stories that happened in Daniel that have been speaking to me for probably about a month or two, and I don't really know why. Um, I just keep hearing them and, and keep thinking about them, but, you know, I don't, I don't really know how it applies, but I feel like it applies here. And I'm going to, I'm going to, we're just going to read some stuff today. Okay. Um, it's, it's the story of the fiery furnace, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. It's a story about Daniel in the lion's den. 
But I want to go back to the beginning of this story because what I see is the roots that are planted, the seed first. So this is Daniel 1. <clears throat> In the third year of the reign of uh, Jehoiakim, it's hard to say, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it, and the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand with some of the articles of, of the house of God, which he carried into the land of Shinar, to that house of his God. And he brought the articles into the treasure house of his God. Then the king instructed Ashpenaz, the master of his eunuchs, to bring some of the children of Israel and some of the king's descendants and some of the nobles, young men in whom there was no blemish but good-looking, gifted in all wisdom, possessing knowledge and quick to understand, who had the ability to serve in the king's palace, in whom they might teach the language and the literature of the Chaldeans. And the king appointed for them a daily provision of the king's delicacies, and of the wine which he drank in three years of training for them. Am I cutting out? Y'all hear me? Yeah. I guess because I don't have a monitor or something. It sounds like I'm cutting out. Okay. Just let me know if I can need to get the microphone. I'm down. Um, now from among these, wait, let me see where I am. And the king appointed for them a daily provision of the king's delicacies and of the wine which he drank in three years of training for them so that at the end of that time they might serve before the king. <clears throat> Now, from among those of the sons of Judah were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. To them, the chief of the eunuchs gave these names. He gave Daniel the name Belteshazzar. To Hananiah, Hananiah he gave Shadrach. To Mishael, he gave Meshach. And to Azariah, he gave Abednego. But Daniel purposed in his heart. Okay, so here comes the, here comes the seed. Here comes the rooting. So they're, so they're plucked from what they know. These guys come in, are given a new name. And Daniel says, but Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's delicacies, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore, he requested of the chief of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. So get this. Don't, sometimes we get caught up in all this, you know, old school jargon or whatever. Basically, what Daniel is saying is not... These aren't the things, these are the, he, he says, I'm going to set myself apart and I'm going to be a standard here now. I'm going to do some things now that separate me from ever being a part of, of worshiping a system or a thing that, that I'm not called to. And so today I'm going to make this decision. I don't know what else happens, but he's starting to sow into something. And if you have, if we have, I say this because I, I, I'm doing the same thing, but if, if you see like the fruit of your life right now is some stress, some anxiety, I don't know why those things keep popping up. I know that stuff that we all carry and we can be real about it, but um, you know, it, it, whatever that thing might be, it's, it's due probably to some roots that need to be plugged up. It's soil that has been, what you reap, you sow. And the things that are abundant in your life are things that you've sown into. You've allowed your mouth to speak something when you should have just shut it. Even if you feel it, you should have just shut it. Because there's a power in the word. We've talked about this so much, but we, we open our mouths to say, man, I knew that's how it was going to go down. Man, again. And if you would be a seed and just die and shut your mouth for a minute, 
your roots are going to start going into something that's, that's deeper than what you're living currently. Yeah. And you start to get things of, 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 of produce like joy, yeah. <laughs> of peace yeah. that you don't have to understand. I don't get it, things around me, but I'm, but I'm starting to reap what I'm sowing. And so, so Daniel, he says, but Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's delicacies, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore, he requested of the chief of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Now, God had brought Daniel into the favor and the goodwill of, of the chief of the eunuchs. And the chief of the eunuchs said to Daniel, I fear my lord, the king, who has appointed your food and drink. <clears throat> For why should he see your faces looking worse than the young men who are your age? Then you would endanger my head before the king. So he's basically saying like, look, these are the things the king gives you to help you grow. These are the things that work. We see it. This is our health program here. This is what works for these kids. And I don't want you to try to do your whole, you know, vegetable diet and see you looking like a skinny, you know, guy that I'm not giving to this. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be the one on the chopping block. <clears throat> so Daniel said to the steward whom the chief of the eunuchs had set over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, please test your servants for 10 days and let them Give us vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then let our appearance be examined before you. And the appearance of the young men who eat the portion of the king's delicacies. And as you see fit, so deal with your servants. So he consented with them in the matter, in this matter and tested them for 10 days. And at the end of 10 days, their features appeared better and fatter in the flesh than all the young men who ate the portion of the king's delicacies. Thus the steward took away their portion of delicacies and the wine that they were to drink and gave them vegetables. As for these four young men, God gave them knowledge and skill in all literature and wisdom, and Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. It's a, it's a I think Henry, you said, you talked about, man, what a small price to pay. And I say this all the time, but it's not, it's not about what, it's about what you, you listening to the voice within your life. It's not about you doing what I do or you trying to live like I live. I don't do everything right. I'm, I'm figuring things out myself too. It's about you listening and having relationship and walking as him, as, as son, as daughter. <clears throat> uh, Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. Now at the end of the days, when the king had said that they should be brought in, the chief of the eunuchs brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar. Then the king interviewed them, and among them all none was found, like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore they served before the king. And in all matters of wisdom and understanding about which the king examined them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and astrologers who were in all his realm. Thus Daniel continued until the first year of King Cyrus." So what Daniel decided to do, though it didn't seem like the easiest thing, it didn't seem like the simple path, he took his path. And in that path, Yahweh uses that. It doesn't matter what it looks like. If, if the, the problem that we always have, I feel like, as people, as human beings, is that we try to naturalize something that's so supernatural. We try to make sense and think about it uh, analytically and get it to where we're good with it, and then we do it. Because now it makes sense. But that's never how the kingdom works. Most of the times it's something that doesn't make any sense and there's no, there's, it does not, it feels a lot like dying to something. It feels a lot like just dying to something. 
So we know the, in this, then, then Daniel comes into a place where he gets to interpret. Um, he, he, he's one of the only one. He's the only one that can interpret the uh, Nebuchadnezzar's dreams who he's starting to have. I want to jump over because we've definitely read this story, but I want to read it again. So are y'all okay? Are you good reading? Are you good with this? Okay. I, I'm sure y'all have not read this story in a long time anyway, so it's all good. <clears throat> but listen to this. Right before, this is chapter three when we start to, start to, uh, to read about uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. 49, uh, 249 says this. Also, Daniel petitioned the king. So he, he gets favor in the king's eyes. And guess what Daniel does? Daniel is not just about himself, but he's about his generation. And so his decision before he pulls those boys with him and says, hey, I need these guys with me. Like, let us test us, see if we're not great. It wasn't their choice, but it was the, the, the brother, the faithful brother. And how many times have we talked about someone's healing, someone's, as a family, that's what's great, is that when something happens for someone else, there's a blessing that you know is coming for you as well. There's something that we can rejoice in as a family because we're connected. We're not wheat that did not die, that stands alone. We're, we're, we're rooted together in this thing, and it's amazing. So, he, so then Daniel comes in with the same heart after he's gone through all this stuff, and he's just being praised, and Nebuchadnezzar has put him in high places and said, man, your God is the God. It's amazing. He says, uh, Daniel petitioned the king, and he set he had him set Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego over the affairs of the province of Babylon. So that was Daniel's heart. He brought him in. So, but Daniel sat in the gate of the king Nebuchadnezzar. The king uh, made an image of gold whose height was sixty cubits and its width was six cubits. He set it up in the plain in the plain of Dura and in the province of Babylon. And King Nebuchadnezzar sent the sent word to gather together the satraps, the administrators, the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the judges, the magistrates, and all the officials of the provinces to come to the dedication of the image which King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. So the satraps, the administrators, the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the judges, the magistrates, and all the officials of the provinces gathered together for the dedication of the image that the King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And they stood before the image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. I feel like I just read the same thing like four times. Then a herald cried aloud, To you it is commanded, O peoples, nations, and languages, that at the time you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, harp, lyre, and uh, psaltery to, uh, in a symphony will all kinds of music, with all kinds of music, you shall fall down and worship the gold image that Nebuchadnezzar has set up. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast immediately into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace." So at that time, when all the people heard the sound of the horn, flute, harp, and lyre, and symphony with all the kinds of music, all people, nations, whoo, gold image with the king Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Therefore, at that time, certain Chaldeans came forward and accused the Jews. They spoke and said to King Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. You, O king, have made a decree that everyone who hears the sound of, I'm going to skip all those, and uh, whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. There are certain Jews whom you have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, have not paid due regard to you. They do not serve your gods and worship the gold image which you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar, in rage and fury, this dude's mad about everything all the time, uh, gave the command to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So they brought uh, these men before them, before the king. Nebuchadnezzar spoke, saying to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the gold image which I have set up? I love how he does this. How, then he comes back and he says, I'm going to give you another chance. 
It just, I just asked you if it's true. You said yeah, but I just let me. I didn't hear you right. So we're talking about the fiery furnace here. You, say it again. What was that? Now, if you're ready, at the time you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the harp, the lyre, and the uh, psaltery, and symphony with all kinds of music, and you fall down and worship the image which I have made, uh, which I have made good. But if you do not worship, you shall be cast immediately into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. And who is the God who will deliver you from my hands? So now, see this as the seed. Okay, because we read the story. We know the story and we think about, well, they were full of faith. But they were full of faith because they planted a seed a long time ago. They were full of faith because they had already made the decision that, listen, my choice no matter what the circumstance looks like, no matter who, where I go, what I do, it, might not, it not, might not pan out exactly how I see it to pan, I need it to pan out, how I think it should pan out. Things are going to be up and down, and it's not about all that he can do for me, but I just decide that he is my God. This is, this is where I stand. This is because you know what? You didn't grow up like a weed like that. You took your time, and you got rooted down deep. You got rooted down deep in something. So you come to a place now when he says, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. It's so much a part of them that they're like, why are you even, like, really, like, let's, let me just jump in. Where's the diving board? Let's do this. Like, this is why are we even talking about this? If that is the case, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, burning fiery furnace. Listen to the language. Our God, our God is able to. He absolutely is able to. Yeshua, let this cup pass from me, but not my will yours. No one took Yeshua's life. Yeshua freely gave it. See, we're so conditioned to think that the world controls us because of circumstances, that we're on some weird roller coaster but when we put our seeds in the idea that Yahweh has everything, no matter what's going up and down and all around and everything is different and whatever, it doesn't matter. Yahweh has this thing planned. We are on a path. And like Eva says, I count it all joy. Everything we walk in, everything that we come to and disappointments and, 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 and things that just don't seem to work out the way we need them to work out, we want them to work out, we say, the, we say the word, I count it all joy. There has to be a greater plan. There has to be a better purpose. And the world will call you stupid. The world will call you ignorant. And you just say that. You just, you just like close your eyes and say religion and God and he's got it all figured out. But no, that's not the truth. It's the same thing as my boy is going to bed at night and saying that I have nothing to worry about in the morning because he can do it all for me my dad is superman you know that's how we see our daddies that's how i see my dad that's how i grew up with my dad he's the greatest dad in the world and i never worried for anything though you know now today being able to have a relationship with him i talk about things and know about times that he was worried about his life and how things are work out i didn't know that as a boy i grew up in peace and so so Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are sitting here. I've been rooted in peace and joy, and I know the God that I serve. I know where I stand. So look, dude, throw us in the fire. If that's what it's going to take, I know he can. Listen, he says, if that is the case, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us from your hand, O king. 
The promise was that he would deliver us from your hand one way or another. But if not, let it be known to you before I leave this planet, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the gold image which you have set up. We did not lay something down years and years ago as boys to get here and try to just all of a sudden now we'll give in. Now we'll give in because now we, you know, we're already experiencing some growth. We're already experiencing some, some, uh, some tenure here and, and things. Let's get another promotion. Okay, bow before the king real quick. We're good. And let's get promoted again. No, because it's not about the promotion. It's not about the good. It's not about us. It's about the rooting in the relationship. But if not, let it be known, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the gold image which you have set up. The Nebuchadnezzar, full of fury and rage, like always, and the expression on his face changed towards Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. All of a sudden, now I don't see them as who I used to see them, and I was proud because they were mine. Now, all of a sudden, I realize that they are not submitting to me. They aren't mine. They're actually someone else's. They belong to someone else's, and he's enraged by this thought. He starts, he changes his, uh, the expression on his face changed. The way he saw them changed. He spoke and commanded that, the, that they heat the furnace seven times more than it was usually heated. Wait, wait did, I, did I say, did I say, wouldn't worship the God? Let's bring that thing back. Seven times, like, what? Seven times hotter. Actually, I kind of think that would be better. Maybe I just, boom, you know? Anyways, his rage and fury says he's making the situation even more impossible. Seven times more than it was usually heated, and he commanded uh, certain mighty men of valor who were in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Those who belonged to him now bind the ones that used to belong to him. These are my mighty men of valor. I'm going to have them bind you up and cast them into the burning, fiery furnace. Then these men who were bound in their coats, their trousers, their turbans, and their other garments and were cast into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. Therefore, because the king's command was urgent and the furnace exceedingly hot, the flame of the fire killed the men who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Oh, those mighty men of valor. Oh, those guys. That bowed. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down bound in the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. Coolest moment ever about to take place right here. Coolest moment. Are y'all with me? You good? Not too, not, not too childish for you guys? You're supposed to say yes. We're childlike. Remember daddy, everything. We're... Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished, and he rose in haste and spoke, saying to his counselors, did we not cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? Hey, did we not do that, guys? There was three men, right, we cast in. They answered and said to the king, true, O king, look, he answered, I see four men loose, walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt, and the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. They bought that story 
way far before that. Outside of anxiety and worry, outside of, 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 of what they, they could have been planting in at a time where their life was changing and their boys and their, everything's going on, they decided, you know what? This is where I stand. I'm not going to bow today. I won't bow tomorrow. And I won't ever have to. Because that's when the king of glory can come in. <clears throat> I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire and they are not hurt and the form of the fourth is like the son of God. Then Nebuchadnezzar went near the mouth of the burning fiery furnace and spoke Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the most high God, come out and come here. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came from the midst of the fire, and the satraps, administrators, governors, and the king's counselors gathered together, and they saw these men on whose, the, whose bodies the fire had no power. The hair of their head was not singed, nor were their garments affected, and the smell of the fire was not on them. They don't even, there's not a, there's not a trace of what they just walked through. But... It's exciting and expiring story, but I, I want you to hear this. It doesn't mean they didn't walk through it. You know what I'm saying? Like, they walk through it. They walk through some hell. They did. It didn't come, it didn't, Yeshua didn't come and sweep them up and say, you don't even have to go in there. They had to sit there while their arms are being bound. Think about the fear in these boys. Go there. Think about the fear in these boys. They just had to make the statement out of the true faith that they had, like, look, we might not make it out of this, but our God, he can do it. He's done it before. He can do it. Even if he doesn't, though, I count it all joy. Let's do this. He's getting strapped up together with the men that, he, that they had used to be seen like. They, now they're not that. Now these are the men of valor that say, thanks, I get your job. Appreciate this. Later, they go. These boys who probably were full of fear but even more full of faith walk through the furnace. They walk through the trying time. But because they sown into the peace, because they decided to make a choice all before, because those roots of the seed, they had died to the idea of it had to be like how it always has been. They died to that. That seed opened up and got rooted down. And when it came time to grow, and it did t- come time to promote, and it did come time for them to be exalted, what they were rooted to walked with them in the, in the furnace. It's amazing. Nebuchadnezzar spoke, saying, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who, set, who sent his angel and delivered his servants who trusted in him, and they have frustrated the king's word and yielded their bodies. Henry, yield, yield. They yielded their bodies. They said, it's okay, let's do this. Let's go through this. I'm okay here. That they should not serve nor worship any God except their own. Where was Daniel in this story? Where did Daniel go? Their buddy. It does not matter because this. Daniel made a choice in what he was called to that they can walk out for the rest of their lives. And guess what happens to Daniel a few chapters later? Exact same situation. Exact same situation. I'm tempted to go read it, but I'm not going to read it yet. We we'll, might jump into that later.
here's my commission. Here's what I want you to do. And Daniel said, man, now I'm going to go do what I've been doing. And three times a day, I'm going to go up in my high place and I'm going I'm to pray and I'm going to have a relationship outside of anything that, I, that, that everybody else is telling me to do. I know I've achieved this place. I know that I've gotten to this place. But man, if, if, if the growth, if the, if the success, if all of that comes outside of what has always ro- I've rooted myself to, then it's not true success. It's not really growth. And it will die eventually. It's a weed. It grows fast and kills everything else around it. Chokes out all the, all the other plants that are meant to, to, to bear fruit. You don't mean to be that, but your, your growth, your desire to get above something, to get to be the first, to be that whole thing, is, it's, it's not about that. It's about being a seed. We need oaks of righteousness to, to produce, right? That this thing is generational and goes from glory to glory to glory, that the kingdom's ever increasing, that we don't see the world as the world sees the world. We see it as Yahweh sees it, as daddy as a son who walks on the earth and can say, like, it does not matter what happens. It really doesn't. Call me ignorant all day long, but I choose faith every time. Call me ignorant all day long. It might not work in your worldly view, but I, I choose faith. I choose Yeshua, Jesus, the Messiah. I choose to walk with him. I choose to, to be one with him so that I can walk in the cool of the day with a different dimension of Yahweh than we know, which is daddy. I get that. I, we have that ability now. Daniel goes and does what he does, and he is, he's told, even at the, at the, the king at this time does not want Daniel to, he, he actually kind of got tricked into to making this decree, but Daniel goes into the lion's den. Goes into the lion's den. The king doesn't want any music, doesn't want anything happening. He's distressed that he's even made this decree. Daniel's in there with vicious lions, hungry lions. Were they just full lions that just, you know, they just are kind of kind and they're actually pets? <laughs> we'll read a little bit further in when Daniel gets delivered and see what happens to all of the families of the men that put him in there in the first place. But he, Yahweh shuts the mouth of the lion. You see, this is the thing is that I, I really believe that there's some things available. Now, this... These things get weird, but they're not supposed to be. We serve a spiritual God. We, we have a spiritual daddy, and we get so creeped out by anything weird. I truly believe that Daniel and the lions didn't happen, that the, that the lion's mouth was shut. But that's how it was supposed to be in the garden. We were meant to rule over those. I had a conversation with my son the other day because he was talking about the Lion King came out, which you want to get slain in the spirit, just go to the new Lion King and just sit out there and cry, and it's so good. If you don't agree, you're wrong. Um, but but they uh, but it's uh, but you know I was having this and and, and uh, Frank always has a way with words, and he asked me, he said, "Dad, are lions the greatest uh, things on earth? Are they the most powerful things on earth?" And I want to be like, well. I mean, I guess, yeah. I mean, I'm not going to go toe-to-toe with a lion. But David did, and Daniel did, and Adam, before the fall, did. This, and, I, and I just said to him, I said, no, son, we are the greatest. I said, we were called to have dominion over this earth. We were called to be able to, 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 to those, those lions listen to us. 
And Yahweh is going to redeem some of those things in this planet for those that aren't just looking off to go and die and get to heaven and then have relationship, but can see him as daddy now and give him reign and rule and dominion just like Yeshua had on this earth. Greater works will you do. But we've been conditioned to think that this is how this thing plays out. We're natural bodies. This thing's going to happen this way. It's just how it goes. And we don't see things with the, the childlike one. You know what Frank did whenever I told him that? Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Not dad. You know those guys can eat us, right? No. Oh, gotcha. Yahweh, Yahweh. I know. The, the, the father, daddy's telling me that I have dominion over those lions, that I have dominion over the things that come against me in this life and in this world. And so guess what? A generation with fathers who truly love who they are and how they see things starts to speak into their lives and starts to tell them about a time that daddy had to go into the ground even though he thought he had it figured out. And he went into the ground and he died to what he used to be and he planted roots in something. And he and his mother sit around and we talk about Yahweh. We talk about our faith. We listen to the, the praise and worship music, not because of the songs are so good and they're so, it's because we want to create an atmosphere that one day his seed coat sees it's time to grow. Yeah. It's time to get rooted into this thing. It hears the signals. Uh. I'm going to close here soon. Um, Henry, first off, I wanted to say thank you so much for giving me uh, the past couple weeks. Obviously, you didn't give it to me. I was going to take it anyways. But you, there, wasn't, there wasn't like this whole, you know, I didn't feel this pressure of I needed to be here. You know, like I, I, felt, like, I felt like released. I knew whenever, whenever we were going to have the baby, I was going to take two weeks off of literally everything. And I'm not tired today. I'm not like stressed out. I'm not, I'm, I've, I've been in the greatest moments of my life. Just beautiful times with my boys. I've, I've done more than, than, I, than I normally get, have, you know, have to do at the house because Eva's so amazing and she does this stuff. But, I, but it was my joy to be able to help and to do things, just be with my family and make sure that as we transition into a, a kind of different phase of our life that, that we do that together. And I just want to thank you guys, thank Pastor Ben and Henry for, for it, there wasn't this like drop off thing. Well, the, the main guy didn't speak. That's so ridiculous. Like we are a family. You have so much in you too. I'm not saying that I don't step into this place and I'm happy to speak. I'm happy to be this, my, this to be my form of worship and to be a leader. I'm, I'm happy to speak. I'm good with that. But I love that it's not stressful whenever I can just call up Pastor Ben or I call up Henry and it's like, absolutely. Man, I've had a word in my heart. This is what Henry told me whenever I say, he said, I've had a word in my heart this week and I was wondering why I had that. Wow. And now I know. Yeah. And Ben, what you talked about with the grit, which has been a word in your heart for a while, but this grit, it's, it's, a, it's like the seed getting dying down in there, the grit that you go through to produce the growth. And, and then Henry talked, said this, and I and I know he said a million things that were really powerful, as did Ben. But one of the things that he said that really just got me, because I know Henry and I know about his stewardship over things, and I know what stewardship, being a good steward over the little things means to him. It literally, that's where he is now because of being faithful over the little things. And he focuses on those things to bring him into greater things. That's a big word to him. It's not just, well, good steward, because we're Christians. It's stewardship. And he said, talked about being a steward over your breath. 
He talked about the power of being a steward over the breath in your lungs because it's not your breath. When, when, when Amelia did, <gasps> that first cry, I could, that, that, was, that was Yahweh. Though you desired faithfulness even in the womb, you taught me wisdom in that secret place. She came to this planet. Her spirit came to this planet for such a time as this. This was her appointed time to come here. And she's a blessing to us, and it's an amazing thing, but that's, that's Yahweh's breath. That's his daughter. You came from me. And I've been, I'm so thankful that I get to be her, her, uh, her father here and get to raise her and Yahweh's entrusted me with that spirit and that life. It's powerful and amazing and I don't take it lightly, but we are all responsible for the next generation. But here's the thing is that sometimes we get so spiritual and we get so out here and that's okay, we should. We should be okay with getting a little more spiritual and out there and it just not be like, well, uh, I don't understand that. I, I can't do that. But, but also, you need to understand that this stuff is not just whatever. It's what is true. It's what works. It's what scientists have discovered. This is how the thing works. This is how the planet works. And I want to read this. I read this a while back, but when he said this, it immediately popped in my head. And I actually talked to Joanne about this. And she was like, oh my gosh, I forgot about that whole thing. We were, she was talking to me about, she had seen this video too. But this guy's name is Tom Chi. And in a, a, a year, year, year and a half, two years, whatever, I read this in a service. And um, and I was just talking about, really, it's talking about, uh, about what naturally we are, what we actually are here. So this guy is all of the above, all of the qualifications you could have working with Google or anybody else, the, the, the military, whatever it might be, he's, they've called him for it. He's a mastermind. And this is, this is his transcript from uh, a keynote he spoke um, and I'm just going to read it exactly how he, how he said it. So it says, Effectively, we are a continuous flame of inner becoming. In a given day, you basically bring in a little more than a kilogram of solid material, two and a half kilograms of water between what you drink and the water in your food. And you also actually interchange almost a kilogram of air. And what, is at, and, and what it actually means is that 7% of your body ch- exchanges out in a single day. That means yesterday, 7% of you that was you yesterday is not here anymore. And like the stuff that you are right now, tomorrow, 7% of that is going to be gone. And you may not know, you may not know, uh, may not have a sense of what 7% of the body is, but basically that's roughly the mass of your arm. So every single day, one of those is leaving and one of those is coming in. And it means that over the course of two weeks, you actually exchange out an equivalent to the entire body mass of your body. So these are the atoms that are coming and going. And you know, the, the scientist in the room will say, well, you know, that's, all, that's not all the atoms, of, of course. It's going to be highly leaning towards, toward the water, and it's, gonna, it's going to lean towards car- carbon dioxide. Yes, it is true, but even the stuff that is seemingly more permanent like the calcium in your bones and all this and all that sort of thing 98 percent of all of that cycles out within a year so you think that you are you but really from two weeks ago you kind of aren't and definitely from a year ago you definitely are not 
And we're constantly in the state of inner becoming. And what are we inner becoming with? This is, this is, this is weird, but this is, this is literally science. This is, this is the truth. This isn't some, I didn't read this out of this book. Though there's way more power in this, but sometimes, just look. This guy's not some Christian speaker. He's telling this just how it is. So what are we interbecoming with? Like a seed, the earth had everything it needed. But Yahweh had not yet sent water. Genesis, this thing, Genesis 2. He had not yet sent water and he had not yet put a man on the planet to govern it, to tend it, to keep it. So everything was there, but until that water came up from the ground and the, and, the, uh, and, the, and the man, Adam, was planted on the earth, this is how Yahweh designed the planet. And we are constantly in the state of inner becoming, and what are we inner becoming with? The earth. What this actually means is that the breath that you are taking right now, being a steward of the breath, the breath that you are taking right now part of that was literally on the other side of the planet four or five days ago. It also means that the stuff that you are exhaling right now, you know, for four or five days from now could be, be becoming a flower in Germany or in the Sudan. And this is not like theoretical. This is literally exactly what's happening. Part of you today was these plants a couple days ago. Part of you tomorrow is going to be them. You know, both locally, just around you in the next couple of minutes and within the next couple of days, literally everywhere on the planet. And this is how much we are interconnected with our planet. This is how much we are constantly becoming part of our planet. What does that mean? It means that I, I want those plants that are growing from me. I want this earth. I want the lions. I want the, the generations that come out. I want the words that I'm speaking and the breath that I'm, that's coming out of these lungs that are Yahweh's. I want to be a steward over that breath because the earth is the fullness of Yahweh, that he, it's his glory. And I want, I want this thing to, the, the tide's not going to turn by a political subject coming in and saying, well, let's make this a law, and let's make this a law. This might, it might bring some peace for a moment. But ultimately, the only thing that's going to change this planet is the kings, the, the kings and priests, the sons and daughters of Yahweh rising up and saying, I'm going to steward the breath. I'm going to know what I'm rooted into. I'm going to plant myself down deep and rooted into the soil that this family is. And that whenever I go through trials or I walk through anything else, I'm going to count it all joy because I'm going to come out on the other side one way or the other. And that type of faith changes the culture. It changes the cosmos that Yahweh, that Yeshua gave his own life for, that Yahweh let his son go. If we could get, that Martin Luther says, if we could get the first two words of the Lord's Prayer, then we would have things figured out. Our Father. Daddy. Amen? Let's stand up. Yahweh, open our hearts like soil. Let these seeds of your word come in and let us let those things plant and die within us and, and start to take root into the soil of our heart, Yahweh. Let us see you as what you have invited us into. Open our eyes to be full of wonder and joy and excitement of tomorrow and not see what we've been conditioned to think, but see you in all of this, to see you as daddy, 
to see you that we don't have to go to sleep at night with the anxiety and the stress and the worry of tomorrow because he who calls you is faithful and he also will do it. And he will pull you through every single situation. And Yahweh, we just, we just, I, I want to, I, I just call this people to become childlike. Yes. Not like other churches have said that, but that we're receiving a new side of you, Yahweh, that you've given to us as daddy. And I, and I just say that we're going to go to sleep at night and know that you're putting your hands through our head and, and loving us and knowing that we don't have anything to worry about tomorrow, that there's not that even in our sphere that it doesn't exist in the world in which you exist in, Yahweh. And we, we love you and we ask for this today, Yahweh. We, we receive this today and we love you, Daddy. In the presence of Yeshua, we speak. Amen. Amen. I love you guys. Thank you for listening. For more information on The Rock of Bay County, please go to therockofbc.org. 